0: Uh, this is a great reminder as the sun beams in on these stained glass windows that this is daylight savings time. This is uh, the, our last weekend of uh, darkness. Yes, we have made it. We have made it. Hopefully, we've made it. But uh, it always reminds me uh, when Alpha switches on Saturday nights that uh, in daylight savings time, the sun shines through like it's incredibly so, and it's like. Oh I hope spring is finally coming. It's so cold. It's uh, oh, It's been driving me crazy. We've been doing this series When Opportunity Knocks and we've been talking about um, the opportunities that we have. We've been talking about the opportunities we have with Christ and the opportunities we have here at Alpha Community Church and we've talked about the different things uh, that are happening. So we're going to continue in that series um, and I mentioned the windows because it reminds me of spring. And spring reminds me of worms. Like if you give a mouse a cookie. Oh, and this. Spring reminds me of worms. And I love worms. It's a little known fact. You might not know that about me. But in this, uh, yeah, worms for real. So so it's in this season that at certain times when you're outside, you can see them on the ground. It's like when, it, when it's like just warm. And they, it only lasts for a little while. And if you're running, like I would uh, it, all my time when I would run or when I still go out in the neighborhood and stuff, I'm always like, oh, look, 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 the worms are out. And it's so cool. It's like, they're just like all over the place. And if you touch them, they like all squiggle up. I don't like a snake to save me longer than I can, but the worms are the coolest things ever. So much so that my, I have two little grandbabies that I'm always like, oh, come, come, come look at the worms, come and see them. They're so great. And they're like, Okay. Some of them like them, some of them don't. Um, so much so, I had a running partner. Uh, Ashley, she lives in Africa now, and we can, we can contact one another through WhatsApp. That's a text thing you can do international. And I send her pictures. I'm like, Ashley, look what season it is. It's worm season. Because she appreciates and loves the fact that I love them. And when you love something, even if no one else does, you want them to experience it. You want them to be like, all right. Or you accept the fact that they just are not going to love it as much as you. And then you may not love worms, but after this long talk about worms, you're going to be like, oh, worms, she likes worms, yuck. <laughs> and you'll have this little-known fact about me. But it's really interesting because when you love something, then you want others to experience it. When you love doing something. Tonight I was talking to Tammy as she came in. She read our psalm tonight, and I was talking to her, and she's been going to this new exercise class It's called Swerk. It's all kinds of fun. It's like dancing and moving and all that kind of stuff. But she's like, oh, Sheila, I love it. Come, come with me. Come, come to the class with me. And I'm like, mm, mm. I mean, she loves it and she has a big passion for it. But I don't. I'm like, oh, maybe. I mean, I might go and try it to be nice to her, you know, to show her. I might. When you love something, you want others to experience it. When you figure out something new or or maybe sometimes when you do, um, If you redo your house, if you redo a living room or something, you're like, oh, come look, come look, come look. You want people to see it because you're excited because you feel something about it and you want others to see it or you accomplish something or you make a paper or you do something that you created and you're like, oh, do you wanna see this? Or you happen to lie it around like, oh, that thing? Of course, we want people to come and see. It's because of something that's inside us. We want more and more people to see. we're going to look at a couple of scriptures tonight. We're going to start in John chapter 1. If you look in your Bibles, it's on page 882 of the Bibles that are in front of you, or you can use uh, your handheld device, the handy-dandy Wi-Fi, that'll get you where you want to go. Um, And so this uh, passage that we're going to look at in John, this is where Jesus is calling his disciples, and this passage we're going to look at is at the very, very beginning, uh, John is one of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. And um, John tells a story of a more personal level and does it a little bit differently than the other Gospels. The other Gospels tell a lot of facts and this is what happened and how it went and stuff like that. Good, good, good. But John does it just a little bit differently. So let's go through this. In John uh, chapter 1, we're going to verse, I want to start at verse 35. So the following day, John was again standing with his two disciples this is john the baptist and so john the baptist was preparing the way for jesus and john the baptist had disciples disciples were just people who followed them and wanted to learn everything that they could about them and their teachings and so john had lots of disciples and so john is standing against with his two disciples and as jesus walked by john looked at him and declared look there is the lamb of god when john's two disciples heard this they followed jesus then Jesus looked around to see and saw them following him, and he's like, what do you want? He asked them. <laughs> Isn't that fun? You're like, oh, it's Jesus. Hey, what do you guys want? Anyway, uh, he, they replied, rabbi, meaning teacher, where are you staying? Jesus says, come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when he went with them to the place where he was staying, and they remained there the rest of the day. Probably because it was getting close to Sabbath, and they couldn't leave at that time, but The important thing was Jesus was like, hey, come and see. See, they wanted to know, they're asking, they're like, Jesus, like, where are you staying? Like, where's your home base? Where do you work out of? What do you work from? Where is that place? And he's like, well, come and see. So then a little bit later they did. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John had said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip, and he said to him, Come and follow me. And Philip was from uh, Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went back to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus. He's the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, says Nathaniel, Can anything good come from Nazareth? Really? So funny. Here Peter is, or Philip is so excited, and Philip says to him, come and see for yourself, Philip said. You see, here's what happens is the disciples are, are gathering around Jesus, and he's calling them in. And Philip is so excited. He spent this time with Jesus. And John had just declared, so he had been John's disciple. And he had followed after. And John prepared the way for Jesus. John was the one who gotten everything ready and gotten in that, in that place. And, and, and John said, that's the Lamb of God. That's the one we've been waiting for. So they immediately followed him. And Jesus was like, yeah, come and see what I'm doing. Come on. And then the guys got so excited, and they called their brothers. They wanted them to be a part of it. So Philip goes to him, and Philip's like, "Come and see." And Nathaniel's like, "Nazareth? Are you kidding me? What comes from Nazareth? My hometown is um, in Hampton, Virginia, which is near Williamsburg and Virginia Beach. And it's this is big area. And it was always nice. And it was, um, you know, it was a nice community. It was really big because it was." Um, a military town. Langley Air Force Base is there, and it was really big, and um, there's a piece of the Chesapeake Bay that comes into Hampton down on this edge, and so it's it's the beach area, but it's actually the bay. We think it's the ocean, so we tell everybody it is, but it's actually the bay that comes in, and it's called Buckrow, and so it's this Buckrow beach area and stuff, but right around Buckrow were where some... um, yeah, they didn't take care of their houses at the beach town. It wasn't when the million dollar homes. It was the just the uh like uh it's all beachy, we don't care. So anytime if anybody was not doing well, we're like, oh, you're from Buckrow. It, it was derogatory and it was terrible, but it was this like kind of mindset like, ah, oh, of course you're from Buckrow, that's why that happens. And so that's what that's what uh Philip has said to Nathaniel, Nathaniel's like, hey, he's from Nazareth. And he's like, oh, you're, what good comes from Nazareth? And Philip didn't say, no, 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 you got it all wrong. This one's really good. He didn't say, oh, wait, 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 wait. There's one good thing that has come in. This is him, I know. Or he didn't say, hey, I mean, it's probably not really Nazareth. It's probably on the outskirts. It's not like down in there. No, he didn't say any of those things. He said, "Come and see. Come, come for yourself." He's like, "Oh, I've already experienced this. Now you come and see." There's another story. If you flip over the page in John chapter four, there's another story where Jesus is with his disciples, and he had gone from town to town, and he's healing people and taking care of people, and and teaching, and people are like, wow, Who is this guy? This is so great." And so, as he's going in there, he's going there, traveling around, and they have to go through Samaria. And Samaria is the place that nobody wanted to go. And if you were a Jew, you are a known enemy against the Samaritans. Like, it was just known. And so, his disciples are like, hey, let's take the long way around. We don't need to go through there. And Jesus is like, no, nope, let's go straight through Samaria. And so, they get there, and it's about uh, setting sun time, and they're all hungry, and Jesus is like, I'm going to sit here, and they're like, we're going to go get food. And so the disciples leave to go get food, and Jesus is at the well. And this woman comes up. Well, a couple things you have to understand is men didn't really talk to women. I mean, it's a whole lot better today, but men didn't really speak to women, and women were considered lower class, and they were considered um, not as worthy and couldn't be spoken to. And so this woman comes up to the well at an odd time. It wasn't a typical big time when everybody was coming up. So there's an obvious reason she doesn't want to she didn't want to deal with women. I don't know if you've ever dealt with women. Let's just sometimes they can be catty and unkind. And she probably just didn't want to deal with it. She had had a lot going on in her life and she didn't want to deal with any of the other women. So she comes at this off time. And she comes up to the well and Jesus says, "Hey, I can give you water so you're never thirsty. And she's like, hmm, heard that line before. They begin to have this incredible conversation, and Jesus tells her everything about her. He tells her her life. He tells her um, what she's done. See, actually, she's been married like four or five times. And so for whatever reason, he's like, no, you've been married a lot, and you're living with a man right now. And she's like, And he's like, I can give you something that you'll never thirst again. I can give you life deep inside of you. She is forever changed. So let's look at verse 28 of chapter 4. After she has this encounter with Jesus, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? The one that they have waited for. The one that they had longed for. Jesus, the one who changes life. The one who gives this well of water so he would never be thirsty again. This one that meets your needs that aren't your physical needs but that are your spiritual needs that cause you to think differently and feel differently and love differently. That's the one that they have waited for and then drop down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days long enough for many, many, many more to hear his message and believe. And they said to the woman, now we believe just because of what you told us. Not just because of what you told us, but because we heard for ourselves. And we know that he indeed is the Savior of the world. Here this woman comes out and she was like, she was like, oh, just come and see. Here she came to this well at a time when she didn't want to deal with the people around her. She probably was not somebody that everybody loved in the community. But she was somebody that everybody knew in the community. And so she runs back to these people and she's like, oh my gosh, I just met a man and he told me everything about me. Come and see. And they're like, "Mm." she's like, no, 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 no. I think he's the Messiah. No, 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 this is the one. He can make you not thirst for water anymore. He can give you exactly what you need. Come and see. She didn't tell them. didn't tell them anything other than come and see come and see for yourself come and experience this man and when all the town went out there when they all went out there they were like oh they said stay 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 jesus stay with us he was a jew he was not even supposed to be there i'm sure his disciples jaws were open the whole entire time they're like what is happening But Jesus stayed for two more days, and he taught them. You see, that was Jesus' purpose all along. He was to come down and tell people who God was. He was to come down so that they could experience God because they had lost sight of God. See, they had put God in this kind of box, and they had put him in this place that he was far, far away, and he had to go through so many layers to get to God. And if you were a woman, you had to stay on this court, not even on the inner court. And if you weren't Jewish, you had to stay outside of the temple walls. And if you were something else, you could only come right here. And you had to be banished for so many days because of this. And Jesus came and said, hey, let me remind you who God is and how he created you and how much he loves you and why I'm here. Let me remind you of how incredible God is and how he painted this glorious picture we call the earth. And let me remind you how much God loves you and that he's willing to talk to you. And every time he encountered people, they ran out and they said, Oh, oh, you got to come and see this. You got to experience this. Oh my gosh, it's the greatest thing ever. They didn't go out and say, Hey, listen, I met this Messiah. And in order for you to meet him, you're going to have to do a lot of stuff. There's about Fifteen steps you got to go through. And then, if you do it really well, I'll take you in. There's a little special thing. No. They said, come and see. They said, just, just come with me. Listen, I trust God so much. I have experienced him and have seen him. Like, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I know it's great. Come and see. Philip had spent this little bit of time with Jesus and I said, do you know what? you got to see this for yourself. It's so great. They wanted them to experience God. In this series that we've been talking about, we've been talking about when opportunity knocks. We've been talking about this incredible opportunity that we have at Alpha, that we have of, in this community. See, we're a church in Alpha Because we come from all different places. We're a great part of this community. But we're a church in Alpha. And now we have this opportunity to open our doors on Sunday. How cool is that? We're going to do Saturday and Sunday. Now, on Daylight Savings Time, this is the best time to come to church. Because tomorrow, you don't even going to know the time changes. You're like, what? It's 2? Who knew? You can do whatever you want tomorrow. Because you came to church tonight. But if you can't come tonight... Ah, sorry, you're stuck for a week. Or we could do something exciting like, Hey, you can't come on Saturday? Okay, come on Sunday. You can come. And so there's some reason that you keep coming to this place. Can't be the food. I'm not offering that. (laughs) It might be the stained glass windows. There's something that's drawing you in to this 1872 building that has wooden pews and a wooden floor, and it's cold all the time, in my opinion. (laughs) There's something that's drawing you here. There's something that draws you into this place. There is something that drew me into this place, keeps me coming back. Because you keep coming back, so I keep coming back. But there's this incredible spirit of God here that I think is unmatched, We have this incredible space that started so long ago and we've made it our own and we've started so many different things and we have a children's program. We have a whole place full of musicians. We have volunteers to read a psalm every week. We have people who do offering. We have people who pray. So why don't we begin to invite our friends Why don't we start to invite our friends and go, just come and see. Just come and see. You don't have to save anybody. You don't have to make anybody follow 15 steps to get in here. That's what the beauty of it is. Because God does the work. We don't ever do the work. Before we do our services every week, we kind of gather to pray. We want to pray over the building. We want to pray over things. We want to pray what happens. And you know the one thing that we pray all the time? God, use us as your instruments. Don't let us get in the way. I don't want you to ever come just to hear me. I don't want you to ever come just to listen to Steck in the Band. Everybody else, you know the names. <laughs> I don't want you to come just for that. I want you to become, we want you to be here because you experience God here. We want you to be here so that you can hear God's word spoken and go, huh, there's something about this place. There's something that I can sense about here. There's something that when I come in, I'm like, hmm, oh, that's God. <laughs> that's the Holy Spirit. That's the stuff that makes you go, yes. That's the stuff that makes you go, oh, I can't really put my finger on it, but I know. Or, or when you come and somebody has sung something or somebody has said something. And you're like, oh, oh I don't like that. That's God too. <laughs> That's God going, hey, let's, let's figure this out in here. Let, let's, let's look at this. Let's be a better person. Come experience more of me. I, in my lifetime, have uh, always gone to church. I've always been a part of church. It's just something I grew up doing. And I've always tried to invite friends. But then there's been a really tough time, a a time in my middle part of my life, where I kind of got it wrong. And I kind of felt like, well, I can't invite just anybody. Like, they're obviously, they're way too deep into whatever they're doing, not to come to church. I kind of had my idea that if people cleaned up and looked like me, then they could come to church. That would be great. And in fact, so much so um, that I began to not reach out to those around me. I began to not ask people that I worked with. I began to only consider those who were already in and part of my group, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is good. But that's not what God intends us to do. He intends us to invite others, to come and see we don't have to do the work. We don't have to convict people. We don't have to tell them they're wrong. We don't have to tell them they're doing terrible things. We may be the ones doing terrible things. <laughs> All we need to do is invite people. Come and see. Come and see what goes on when we go to church. People have a lot of bad, a bad experiences with church a lot of times. A lot of times people have gone to church And they've been told that you can't come like that. If you listen to that kind of music, you can't come to church. People have been told that. So they have a bad taste in their mouth about church. They've been told that, no, God doesn't love anything that you do like that. And so they don't want to be a part of a church like that. A lot of times, in our past, we've made church so hard for people. We've made it so difficult. And we've, we've told people once they come in, okay, now listen, now you have to sign up for this class and you're going to have to go here. And if you really want to be a good person, then you're going to have to follow these six steps and do that. And what I want to say is that why don't we just invite people to come and see? Let God do the work on their hearts. Let them come in and feel their own palpitations, <laughs> let them come in and fill their own, hmm, there's something different here. Let God do the work, but guess what? He might not do it if we don't ever invite them to come and see. If we don't ever give people a chance to come and see, then maybe nobody else is ever giving them a chance to come and see, to come and experience, and maybe it's something in your life that people go, huh. wonder what that is come and see here's one place to start church we have these incredible opportunities coming up where we can do something exciting where we can invite people and when they and when they say oh saturdays i do this on saturdays you can say ha good you can come on sunday now start on easter that's a great time to start a lot of people like to come to church on easter so you should say hey I got this church that's kind of cool. Come and see. Don't worry about anything. Just come and see for yourself. And if you don't like it, okay. I mean, it would crush me, but if you don't, it's okay. (laughs) But come and see. You know what I believe more than anything else? I believe more than anything else that God is present with us all over. And I believe that if we invite people in, God will meet them here. I know God can meet them anywhere. I know God can be anywhere and you can experience God all over. But there's something about coming collectively together and unifying in song and word and prayer. There's something cool about that. And so I know God will do his part. We just get to do ours. In a few minutes, we're going to share in communion together. This is something that we have decided is so important for us to do every week here at Alpha. That's a little bit different. But we think it's important to come to the table because the table was set up for us because we were always going to be welcome at the table. Everyone was welcome at the table. And it was this opportunity for us to come and receive all that we can from God, to receive forgiveness if that's what we need, to receive peace, if that's what we need, to receive love, to experience God in the body broken and the blood shed. I think it's so vital that we are reminded each week that his body was broken and his blood was shed for us because he loved us so. Because he said, come and see. <laughs> come and see this love that God has for you. Come and see how it's so much easier to live In this peace. Come and see how this is a great thing. Come and see. When Jesus was with his disciples, what was going to be their last meal together, it was a Passover, which we're headed up to in this time of Easter. And as they sat down and broke the bread together, Jesus took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. And he took the cup of wine and he blessed it and he passed it. and He said, this is my blood shed for you. Take and drink. And when we do this tonight, we remember that his body was broken and his blood was shed for us, for you, for you individually, for me individually. Because he wanted me to know that above everything else, God wants a relationship with me. God wants to pour into me and flow through me. And he wants to do the same for you. And he invites us, come and see. Come and see what I have to offer. In just a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to pray You're going to go on the outside of your aisles to come up front to take the gluten-free wafer to dip it into the juice, to put it into your mouth, and go back down to the center of the aisle. And to be reminded that everyone's invited and everyone's welcome. You can always receive all that God has for you tonight. Stand with me, if you will. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this incredible opportunity to remind us that you call us to come and see you call us to come and see what you have for us. You call us to come and to experience your love and your mercy and your grace. You make it so easy, God. You never wanted a complicated system. You wanted us to find the easiest way possible to you and you meet us there. Remind us, God, of that and open our hearts and minds to receive all that you have for us. We ask this, God, in your name. Amen.